Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. But they're grappling with how do you, how do you deal with the Constitution's fundamental protections uh, for your individual uh, property and effects and your, and your person, your privacy uh, in the digital age when data might be dispersed and not physically on you at any one time? You, you know, it's an interesting question, uh, Ilya, because uh, the case that was being decided here had to do with a young man, with a man, Timothy Carpenter, who was ultimately arrested and convicted of several armed robberies. The police were able to pin him to the crime because they use some of those um, location cell phone data uh, uh, trackers, I guess, mm -hmm. the yeah. GPS data in the phone that uh, had him at the location of where he had committed or where allegedly he had committed those robberies. And now the court is saying that that's, um, that was an invasion, I guess, of his privacy. And it does sort of make, you know, on one hand, you want to protect everybody's individual privacy. On the other hand, the question becomes, would the police have been able to solve the case without that data? Mm -hmm. And does that mean more people will be able to escape the long arm of the law if the um, if the core ruling holds. Paul Violis is a CBS News security consultant, an accomplished author, and a renowned global security and law enforcement expert. With over 35 years of experience, he's dedicated his life to finding solutions for the problems that keep you up at night. This is Security Matters with Paul Violis. Welcome to Security Matters, where security matters most. I'm Paul Violas, and this is a CBS News radio production. Big thank you for everybody hitting us up on, on social media as well as on, at sending stuff over to uh, info at violas.com. Appreciate the reviews at cbsaudio.com. Uh, just so that everybody knows, everything that we get goes in through our staff, and you all know who they are, and, and it comes back to me. So all of your comments are important. And remember, the subjects that we want, we want to cover are apolitical. I could care what side of the aisle you're on makes no difference to me. I'm American. It's only what's good for the country and what's good for people. So there's no slant there. But whatever it is you want to cover, we need to cover it. We want to hit the issues that are keeping you up at night. That being said, today, one of the most compelling subjects, it's a big statement, but I, I believe it to be true, one of the most compelling subjects in the history of our great country. I believe that to be true. I'm talking about privacy. That's right. Regardless of the fact that the Constitution is the cornerstone of the American way of life, so few people have taken time to read it. True statement. Uh, as you're listening to this, whether you're on the subway right now or if you're in the car or if you're sitting at your desk, ask yourself, have you read the Constitution? And it's funny because when you think about one document that governs our way of life, it's amazing how few people have read it. That being said, the, the subject of privacy remains too many, an ambiguous component of the American way of life, leaving the need for clarification essential in my estimation. Now, the right to privacy basically refers to the concept that one's personal information is protected from public scrutiny. Well, while not explicitly stated in the U.S. Constitution, some amendments provide some protections. We're going to touch on that. We have a guest that's coming in today that is a true constitutional law, true subject matter expert, and you're going you're gonna to really get an awful lot out of what he's going to share with us. 
But as we kick into this, remember the right to privacy is most often protected by statutory law. Very, very important for everybody to understand. Now, what does that mean to you on a daily basis? You've heard of HIPAA, the Health Information Portability and Accountability Act. That protects a person's health information. The Federal Trade Commission, also known as the FTC, enforces the right to privacy in various privacy policies and privacy statements. So that's where we see it. Now, several amendments to the U.S. Constitution have been used in varying degrees of success in determining a right to personal autonomy. We know that to be true. We know the First Amendment protects privacy of beliefs. Third Amendment protects the privacy of the home. The Fourth Amendment protects privacy against unreasonable searches. Fifth, against self-incrimination. Ninth, the enumeration of rights. And so often seen is brought into the 14th Amendment. Uh, there have been cases that we have seen over and over and over again in the history of our great country, starting back to, in 1965 in Griswold v. Connecticut, where the, the court upheld pro- marital privacy and struck down bans on contraception. It was back in 65. In 69, the great Justice Thurgood Marshall wrote in, and I quote, in Stanley v. Georgia, that if the First Amendment, and I, I, I remember this, from my constitutional law class in college, if you, can, if you can believe that. So I went back and picked this up. If the First Amendment means anything, it means that a state has no business telling a man sitting alone in his own house what books he may read or what films he may watch. Thurgood Marshall said that. In Roe v. Wade, one of the most controversial cases in the history of our great country, 1972, firmly established the right to privacy as fundamental and required that any governmental infringement of that right to be justified by, quote-unquote, a compelling state interest. Now, in Roe, the court ruled that the state's compelling interest in preventing abortion and protecting the life of the mother outweighed a mother's personal autonomy only after viability. And I can see all of you ladies right now listening to this cringing, and I get it, that's okay, but you know what? It's the Constitution. As I mentioned earlier, we are extremely fortunate here at CBS News Radio to have... One of our country's most distinguished constitutional law experts. When I heard that he was coming, I was excited. I know you're going to get a lot of out. I'm talking about Mr. Jed Rubenfeld. Now, Mr. Rubenfeld, a little bit about him. Uh, so those of you that are listening know really the, the, just the depth of this man's intellect. Undergraduate from Princeton, a Juris Doctorate from Harvard Law School, is the Robert G. Slaughter Professor of Law at the Yale Law School. He is a true expert on constitutional law, privacy, and the First Amendment. He also guest lectured at Stanford Law School and the Duke University School of Law. He is an accomplished author and has served our country as a former assistant United States attorney in the great Southern District of New York. Mr. Rubenfeld, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a privilege. Well, if you don't mind, sir, I want to jump right into this. You are the expert, so my first question to you is, do we have a constitutional right to privacy, or is it a privilege? Well, I'd have to say we have both. There is, uh, without question, a constitutional right to privacy that's been uh, recognized and enforced for uh, well over 50 years, and uh, it's also a deep privilege that people should take uh, much more seriously than they do, um, and I'll, uh, I'm happy to, to to talk very precisely about you know what the Constitution protects, what privacy means in constitutional terms. But 
Um, let me back up one second and 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 make just this point. The one question we have to ask is whether Americans really value privacy. I mean, uh, I do. It sounds from uh, this show and from your introduction like you do. But I think we have to really confront a generational change, which might be happening uh, all across the country. Um, older Americans, for older Americans, privacy was absolutely a uh, you know sacrosanct value. For younger Americans, you know, they're putting their uh, pictures up online and uh, um, and uh, they're aware that uh, 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 their searches are being monitored by Google, uh, and they do it. And, uh, and you know what people don't value, uh, it doesn't matter how much law you have, um, it's not going to, you know, the law won't be enough. If, you don't, if, if Americans don't value privacy, they, they will lose it. Now, the interesting part about that, sir, is that we've really had this quantum shift, if you will, in what we value and what we don't value as it pertains to privacy. And I, I hear this said quite a bit as it relates to social media. And we see this, as you know, we see this in arguments against, and I'm not for or against, I'm saying we hear this in arguments and cases against groups like Facebook that you know, are violating the right to privacy. Now, I piggyback on what you just said, and I've often asked our audience across the country how many people, and I'll throw this out to everybody if you want, write us in and tell us, but how many people have read the entire electronic contract in lieu of just skip to I accept before they became members of Facebook? And this goes to your point. Do we really value our right to privacy? My answer to that, sir, I will tell you, I don't think that we value the right to privacy as much as we used to. Um, when you think of the argument of right to privacy on social media, do people have a right to privacy on social media, or do you think they do not? Um, uh, uh, they, they do have certain rights to privacy on social media, but here's the thing about privacy that people have to understand. The right to privacy is not like, let's say, the right to vote. You can't sell your right to vote. You, you can't really lose your right to vote except in very extreme circumstances. But can you sell your right to privacy? Yes, you can. If somebody pays you money and, and you publicize and you give them the, the right to use your personal information for advertising purposes, you've just sold your right to privacy. If, if, if in exchange for using a service like Facebook, you give Facebook the right to use your information uh, for advertising purposes um, uh, or in exchange for uh, you know, the great technology of Google, uh, 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 searches you uh, you know that Google is uh, 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 is recording every search you make. You have just traded away your right to privacy. If you if you publish, you mentioned HIPAA before. Right. Yeah, your your medical information is is protected by that statute. You have a right to the privacy of your medical information. But if you put it out there online uh, in social media, guess what? It's gone. You can't get it back. You've lost your privacy in that uh, piece of information. And that's what folks have to understand. So you can have rights to something like privacy, but you can trade them away, and that's what, uh, uh, and you can lose them, and that's what people do on a regular basis. And I, I think social media is a very interesting phenomenon here because what social media did was it, it created a possibility for individuals to become kind of uh, like celebrities on a small scale. Uh, but it, it really did create this possibility uh, in a way that um, – that uh, we'd never had before. Just every individual could, you know, every individual could, if they got lucky and some video they posted went viral, 
they could be a celebrity too. And being a celebrity, well, that's pretty much the opposite of having privacy. And so younger Americans have grown up in a world where they're used to posting their personal information and, and, and looking for um, a, 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 a kind of uh, something that's a little bit like celebrity. And, um, you know, if you talk to younger uh, uh, people, they will uh, often say to you, well, I just don't see what the big deal about privacy is. Um, uh, just, you know, we, we understand that what we put online, people can see, but we just we, we don't mind it so much. So if that's the state of affairs, then the law is not going to help. No, and you know what I said? I have to say what I find so much of what you're saying is fascinating. It comes back to, believe it or not, when I was a kid, um, you know, my father used to say, what's said in this house stays in this house, uh, which really was the bedrock of privacy, right? It's It's... It's that sense of honoring what we say and keeping things to ourselves, which is completely opposite to what we see right now. Um, I find that fascinating because it's so much of a cultural issue. Would you agree? Yes, that's exactly what we're talking about. Uh, and let me be very specific about what the Constitution protects and what it doesn't, just to make sure your readers know um, and your listeners know. Um, uh, the Constitution protects privacy uh, in two ways. It protects uh, privacy of personal information. Uh, that's the kind of the way we think of privacy. If you look it up in a dictionary, you know, you have a right to keep, you know, like your conversations or your medical information personal to you, private to you, that should not be made public. That's privacy in the informational sense. That's kind of the dictionary sense. Then there's a, a constitutional right of privacy that is it means something more like what you called personal autonomy, and you were exactly right about that. That's the right of privacy that Roe versus Wade recognized, and that's a right to make certain fundamental decisions yourself and not to be told what to do by the state or by the law. If it's a really fundamental decision, you have the right to make that decision, and the Supreme Court has called that a right to privacy for, oh boy, over 50 years now, right. almost 50 years. And, and uh, um, uh, But... Most of the time when we're talking about social media, we're talking about the privacy of personal information. We're talking about informational privacy, and, and that's understood to be pr protected by the Fourth Amendment. Even though the Fourth Amendment does not use the word privacy, that's considered to be the source of uh, the constitutional right of informational privacy because the Fourth Amendment protects against, as you know, unreasonable searches and seizures. Right. But here's the, thing that, here's the thing that your listeners may not know. It only protects... Uh, against state violations, state intrusions. So uh, let's say that the state was uh, 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 eavesdropping or, or intercepting all your Google searches and uh, was, was, was compiling a dossier of all of your Google searches and it learned all of this personal private information about you. Well, the Fourth Amendment says they can't do that without a warrant. But can Google do it? The Fourth Amendment doesn't stop Google from doing it. All it stops Google from doing it is your consent. Is, uh, is whether you've said yes or no to that. And, and you hit the nail right on the head when you uh, hit the issue of, you know, uh, basically click wrap, shrink wrap kinds of consent, terms of service, um, uh, all or nothing, um, uh, 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 large documents that we basically just click through. We, we, we agree to terms of service, and that's the critical moment. In exchange for a, a service like Google, in exchange for a service like Facebook, we don't really read through that stuff. Uh, we just consent, and that's the critical moment, and uh, that's the cultural shift. Uh, are our phones listening to us? 
Um, uh, some people say they are. Some people say they aren't. If they are, it's because apps that, have, that we have downloaded with, uh, and, and clicked through their terms of service uh, are using the phone's microphone, listening, and then you know, marketizing that, you know, turning it into you know, advertising revenue. And, um, and uh, the, the cultural shift is that people just, they just uh, they're willing. They're willing to, to trade that away um, in return for those services. Um, uh, uh, and, you know, that's the, the cultural phenomenon we have to confront, um, uh, this willingness to do that. Well, I think it's that desire to be heard, right? See, social media chatter is loquacious, to say the very least. Uh, but when I think about, where, especially the direction you're going in this conversation, which, I'm, which I really like, is let, let's talk about phone. So where does privacy begin and end? At someone's home? And while they're on the phone? Well, it's a great question. You know, the laws that protect us are, they're old. They're, they're almost obsolete. They, they don't really match up with the realities of social media. So there's a very important federal statute, the federal wiretapping statute. It was extremely important, but it's decades old. And what it does is it prohibits uh, anyone from uh, recording uh, somebody's conversation without at least uh, uh, one party's consent to... Um, to, 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 to that recording. Um, other, you know, state laws exist that also pro, uh, uh, prohibit uh, recording telephone conversations or um, uh, without, uh, uh, in some cases, both parties' consent. But recording conversations, that's not really the key to, to privacy anymore. I mean, that, was the, that statute was passed, you know, the, the idea was well, is some policeman tapping your phone and making a record of it so of the conversation so that people can read that through? Well, the technology is just so far beyond that now. Um, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I doubt very much that Facebook is making a recording or Apple is making a recording of telephone conversations or, or Google, you know, on the Android system. I, I very much doubt that. They would be, you know, in danger of violating that federal statute I just described. Right. But... Are there other mechanisms for uh, listening to conversations and uh, uh, using artificial intelligence to, to, to trigger you know, advertising revenue? Well, they're probably working on doing that right now. But um, just to get back to your question, very, uh, uh, with, with, I mean, without recording them, so that they're not violating you know, technically the law. But to get back to your question, telephones are, are still um, one of the more private ways that people can communicate. They really are. Uh, uh, compare that to email. Um, uh, which is, you know, if you put something in email, you should be aware that uh, you have very, very little privacy protections because, as I say, the, the laws that were written uh, were written decades ago and, and have not really caught up with, uh, with the new technology. You write an email, and that goes on servers, and that goes through your, your email system, and you are giving that information to lots of eyes and lots of machines, and, um, you know, that's the reality. Well, there's, there's no question that we're going to have to make a decision sooner or later as a society as to what privacy means to us and what it does not. You can't have your cake and eat it too. And I tell this to people all the time, whether, uh, whether on t- TV appearances, radio, whether we're talking on the podcast, whether people grab me in public, I tell people all the time, privacy comes down to what you want it to be. You know, it's, it, we, we look at the home, right, Chad? We look at the home. Now, we know that if uh, you're protected against, you know, search and seizure, but and you should have privacy in your own home. And I, I was quoting the great Thurgood Marshall earlier. But yet if I stand in front of a picture window facing the sidewalk, I don't necessarily have a right to privacy now because I've given that up. Correct? 
That's exactly right. So then if we use that, Jed, exactly as an right. example, right? If we use that as an example, the guy who stands in front of the picture window for everyone to see has given up. His, he surrendered, if you will, his right to privacy because he's showing everything to the public the same way. And I love when you were talking about the celebrity piece because people on social media kind of feel like they have the celebrity-esque kind of feeling of which they can just say whatever they want and they have the temerity to oftentimes on social media say things they wouldn't normally say to someone in person or share information they wouldn't normally share. And this conversation really comes down to what you're saying is how, what are we willing to give up in order to maintain our feeling, our burning desire, right? That, that, sense of desire for privacy. And this is what I think it's coming down to today is I think right? go ahead. I think please. you're absolutely right about that. And I, I think it points the way to what in my mind is the most effective thing the law could do to, to help people help those who want to protect their privacy, who, who value their privacy uh, um, to, uh, 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 um, uh, to, 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 to do so. That is if you want to protect your privacy, uh, what can the law do to, to help you do that? And uh, what we have to do is w w we need statutes, whether it's state or federal, preferably federal, because that would cover the whole country. But we need to do something about uh, what we were talking about earlier, click wrap, um, uh, terms of services that uh, you click through and you don't really know what you're consenting to. There's no reason why um, Facebook should not be required specifically to um, uh, uh, ask people for their affirmative consent to do a variety of things. Like uh, you, should, uh, you should have to uh, uh, consent to the use of personal information for advertising. Uh, when uh, Google records your searches, you should have to consent to uh, uh, Google sharing those, sharing those searches with, uh, across its various platforms or with advertisers. And that is you should get a pop-up uh, uh, question uh, with a series of, of uh, I mean, a pop-up box on your on your computer or your phone or your your device, and it should ask you, in simple English and not too many of them, a series of questions: Do you consent to this? Do you consent to that? That are very specific, and 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 you cannot be forced to just take it or leave it. You can't be forced to to just accept the whole terms of service, uh, or you're out of luck. The uh, the big social media giants should have to. Uh, 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 um, uh, break down their terms of service into easy to understand uh, set of yes or no questions w with uh, 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 increasing levels of, uh, of, of of privacy protection, or put it the other way, of of what you give up. Now, the the, the flip side of that is, if uh, if we're going to make the social media giants do that, uh, you know, right now people are getting a free service, an incredible free service like Facebook, or an incredible free service like Google or or Twitter. Uh, and, and they're giving up their privacy. You know, if, if we're going to force these social media giants to give people more of a consent, more of a, a yes or no on their privacy protections, then if folks say no to those uh, privacy protections, well, you know, it should be okay for, uh, for, for Google or Facebook or, or Twitter to charge people. People should, you know, if they want to keep their privacy, it's, it, 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 it should be okay for people to pay a few pennies for that. Which, and, really, uh, which really means uh, the most arduous question people are, are, have to really answer themselves is where do I want to draw the line? 
What's it worth? Exactly. Right. What, I mean, right, Chad. What's it worth? Draw the line. What's it? What's it worth? And you bring up a great point right. here. Talk about a poignant point. The great point is, and everyone listening should really kind of take this into consideration. Remember what Mr. Rubenfeld just said, because out of everything, but this one thing that's resonating right now, Chad, is money. With everybody listening, with your you're hitting up on Google or you're you're playing around on Facebook and you're not paying for it, and yet they're worth a ridiculous amount of money, where do you think they're getting paid from? Right, Chad? Where are they getting paid from? They're getting paid from advertisers that are getting links to the demographic, to the buyers that they want to attract. And everybody listening, you checked, I agree, without reading it, you waived your right to privacy. Now, if you, as well, Jed, that is exactly right. Right. right? So, but yeah, to, and it's, right? it's, but it to comes, your point, Jed, if, a, if they come back course, and sorry. they say, if Facebook comes back now, Jed, right, and they say, all right, look, we've recognized our, the error in our ways, which we know that's not going to happen, but let's say they just say that. And, and they say, all right, we want you to check the box. We will not let you back on Facebook till you check the box giving us the right to share X. And if you don't check it, well, you know what? Now you've got to pay forty nine ninety nine a month. My question, Jed, is, and I, it's somewhat rhetorical, but anyway, how many people do you think are going to check that box out of 10? Maybe one? Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody will check the box to get it for, for free. But, right. but let's do the math a little bit. Let's take it seriously for one second, if you'll just, if you'll just humor me. Please. So Facebook makes what? Like, like, like $60 billion right, just a, a stupid. Year. Let's just say roughly let's just say that my, 60 billion right, in revenue. A stupid amount and, of money. And how many users do they have? They have Two billion users. Right. That means every individual is worth about a user. Is it worth about thirty dollars to, to Facebook? Thirty dollars a year. I'm talking about annual numbers. So it's not forty nine ninety five a month. It's thirty bucks over a year, or a couple of bucks a month. Now that is, what, what I'm saying is, if Facebook could get everybody to pay thirty dollars a year, it would make the same amount of revenue, sixty billion dollars, and it wouldn't have to take anybody's personal information and uh, marketize it. Now. A lot of people aren't going to want to pay that 30 bucks a year. I'm talking about $30 a year, not a month, $30 a year. A lot of people might not. Those people are saying, okay, I don't value my product. I don't mind getting the ads. I like getting the ads. Let them use my personal information and give me targeted ads. And Google and, and Facebook can keep making the money from those people. But if somebody wants to pay $30 a year, a couple bucks a month to use Facebook without getting those targeted ads, without letting their privacy go, what I'm saying is they should be able to do that. And you know what? If it's only 30 bucks a year, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think some people, you know, would check the box and other I, people wouldn't. And what I'm saying is let's find a market solution like that that Facebook would be okay with and that, indiv- that would protect individual users. And I, 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 comple- I, agree. I completely agree. And, and you know what's, what's crazy, right? What's crazy to me is um, so I'm coming into year four zero in my career in law enforcement and government service and never mm-hmm. saw the media thing coming, Jed. Just, just happened, right? It's, just, it's been a great ride. But I went from literally being off the radar, living my father's mantra of whatever's said in this house stays in this house, to being sent a radar, completely private, to having no privacy at all. Went from obscurity to, you know, the guy that, you know, when you're walking through airports or in restaurants or something, people want to say hello. I mean, which is fine, but... When you accept, and my, my point behind this, Jed, is when you accept a certain task, responsibility, 
something comes with that. So when you accept the position of a public figure, you give up automatically. You give up a certain amount of privacy, and it just comes with the job. If you, as you said, if you check the box, if you go on the social media sites and everybody listening, in essence, you know what? You're giving up your right to privacy because you've already copped to it. So the biggest question here is, the most, as I said, the most arduous question we have to address is where do you want to draw the line? Chad, my last question, um, and I can go on and on with you on this. It's just so fascinating to speak with. And again, I thank you for being here. Um, what is your message? What is Jed Rubenfeld's message to our listeners here at CBS News Radio about their privacy? What should they expect with regards to their privacy? And what should they be prepared to acquiesce to? Great question. So, you know, I would break that down. Like, what's the reality right now? And then what can we do about it right. uh, if, we, if we could get uh, legal change? The reality is, but, you know, people understand this already, but the reality is privacy is a train that left the station, uh, you know, 20 years ago. The reality is you put something in, in, on email, you search online, that is do not think that you are living a private life anymore. Do people care about that? Do people mind it? Well, you know, that's the cultural shift and cultural phenomenon you and I have been, been talking about. And, you know, that's up to you know, people have to make those decisions themselves. But what can the law do? I don't think public regulators should come in and, and try to micromanage Facebook or Google. California is, is talking about passing a statute that would um, uh, uh, force Facebook to let uh, each user decide uh, on his or her own privacy protections, and Facebook would not be able to do what I was talking about before, that is, charge folks. They don't get the service for free if they don't want to, you know, let Facebook use the information for, for advertising. So I, I you know, I, I admire what California is thinking about doing, but I don't think that's the right way. You know, this, you know, it, it's, it, 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 there's legal uh, micromanagement, uh, and then there's finding a market-based solution that uh, will um, give people a real choice, but that the huge social media giants won't fight and, and, and figure uh, ways to either defeat in the legislatures or, or, or figure out technological workarounds. We need to bring everybody on board, bring everybody to the table. That's my view. And I think we can do it through market-based solutions that, um, that, that, tell, that say to people, look, how much do you value it? You've got to think hard. You've got to make that choice. You've got to check that box. You've got to be willing to pay a couple of bucks a month if you, for your privacy if you want to protect it. I don't think that's too much to ask. And um, that's, the way I, that's the direction I'd like to see the law uh, go here rather than you know, turning these social media giants into public utilities uh, or instead of trying to break them up using uh, antitrust law, monopoly law, and trying to break them into smaller segments, uh, which we haven't really discussed, which I don't think would work. I think instead what we should be looking for are market-based solutions that brings everybody to the table and um, uh, gives uh, individuals the opportunity, a genuine, meaningful opportunity to consent to uh, the privacy uh, uh, levels of protection they want uh, and to you know, have to pay if they don't want them. And it, it gives the social media giants the right financial incentives. I think if we uh, pursue um, uh, uh, legal uh, uh, strategies like that. We can bring everybody to the table, um, get everybody's uh, 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 participation. So that's the direction I'd like to see the law move in um, on this issue. And I think as we close, Chad, the, the biggest thing, well, I took a lot actually from, from what you said, but I think the biggest thing is that 
everyone listening, I think the message coming here from Mr. Rubenfeld is, you know what? This is on you. This is on you. How much privacy do you want? And what are you willing to give up? And if we look at the genesis of the United States Constitution and you listen to Mr. Rubenfeld, who is a constitutional law scholar, to say the very least, the question is left with you. Do you really want privacy? And if you do, well, then what are you willing to give up in the year where we are today with this, all this electronic communication going on? That's, that decision, in large part, is going to rest with you. Jed, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Everyone here at CBS News Radio thanks you, and certainly everyone here at Security Matters. And I hope that you will consider coming back and being on the show again in the future. Well, thank you so much. It really was an honor. I was uh, so happy to be on your show. Thank you. My pleasure. Stay with us. You're listening to Security Matters on the CBS News Radio Network. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Now, back to Security Matters with Paul Violas. It took four months to identify D'Angelo as a likely suspect. But to prove it, investigators followed him to collect his DNA from something he threw away. District Attorney Anne-Marie Schubert. It could be he left a tissue. It could be that he, you know, put his hands on a door handle. But it was what I call abandoned DNA. That abandoned DNA solved a 44-year-old mystery in four months, but also raises concerns about the privacy of DNA collection. Isn't it almost certain that a defense attorney is going to call this an illegal search? We would expect that. We anticipate it. We're fully prepared to deal with that uh, through the court process. JetMatch says law enforcement never approached them. In a statement, JetMatch tells users, if you are concerned about non-genealogical uses of your DNA, you should not upload your DNA to the database. Welcome back to Security Matters. I'm Paul Violas. And as we close here today on this subject of privacy, I want to leave you with, with this one thought. Now, listening to Mr. Rubenfeld, uh, obviously a, a brilliant scholar, and a, an extremely well-accomplished constitutional law expert, in the United States, we listen to the genesis of the Constitution, the transition phase of various cases throughout the history of the United States as it relates to privacy, the constitutional amendments that speak to uh, the right to, to privacy in various silos. But the subject today is what I'm going to leave you with, and that is how much privacy do you want? Fair question. For those of you that post a lot of pictures on social media, but then get angry when someone reposts them and sends them somewhere else. What are you angry about? For those of you that think that your privacy settings are so private that you're given that right to privacy, you're not. I mean, it's an oxymoron to think that private settings are actually private. And remember that what you put out there, you don't own anymore. So the question about privacy, and I know that we grapple with a number of things in our country as it relates to safety and security, our constitutional rights, but remember this as we close for today. The right to privacy, the privilege of privacy, sets entirely with you. What are you willing to give up? How much do you really want it? Everybody here, from everybody here uh, at Security Matters, want to thank you for tuning in. Please hit us up on on social media, but mostly please take a minute. Go to cbsaudio.com. Leave us a review. Let us know what you're thinking and shoot us a message. Let us know if there are subjects that you want us 
to cover. So on behalf of everybody here at CBS News Radio and at Security Matters, where security matters most, I'm Paul Violas. Have a great week. Be safe, be well. God bless. Thanks for listening to Security Matters with Paul Violas. The podcast is produced by Seth Nyman and CBS News Radio. For more podcasts from CBS News, visit cbsaudio.com slash podcasts. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.